0: Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, where we have the wholesome words of our Lord Jesus Christ as given to His apostles and written down for us. We're coming to the last chapter of this epistle that we're studying. This is the religion of the Lord Jesus Christ. It does not matter how you have been taught in the past. It doesn't matter what other churches may emphasize as the most important parts of religion. Ephesians chapter 6, one of the chapters of this epistle, tells us what's important. And we're about to cover four relationships in nine verses in a few minutes. We'll spend a few minutes on each one. I have in the past preached 22 sermons in one series on child training. It is possible to preach for a long time on any one of these relationships, but we're going to try to cover all four, which gives us maybe 15 minutes each. So we'll scratch the surface, but I hope that the Holy Spirit will prick your inner man to be humbled before the wisdom of God. Let me read to you the first three verses and introduce the first relationship that the Apostle wants to address in this chapter. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, And thou mayest live long on the earth. The first relationship is for children. So it says, children. In chapter 5 we had, in verse 22, wives. We had in verse 25, husbands. In verse 1 of Ephesians 6, children. If you want to follow the Christian religion, it is not mysterious and so spiritual that there are not practical rules like this. This is the Christian religion. Yeah. This is obeying and honoring your parents. We begin with marriage. You would think that you might begin with Ephesians 6.1. But the Holy Spirit put it in this order, and He put it in the same order in Colossians chapter 3, because a child, when it comes into this world, needs to see the proper submission of its mother to its father, and its father's love to its mother, and then it can learn this commandment and keep it. There's there's a reason for the Holy Spirit's ordering of these commandments. If you'll hold your finger at Ephesians 6, let us turn a few pages to Colossians 3 and see how the Holy Spirit worded it there, and we'll have that in our minds as well as partial interpretation of what we just read. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. There's two things I want you to notice here before we flip back to Ephesians. First, obey your parents in the things that you like, in the things that they threaten you with, Some punishment, or what does it say? In all things. Children, obey your parents in all things. And the second thing I want you to observe from this verse is it is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Do you want to do something that's well-pleasing to the Lord? Obey your parents. Whenever you obey your parents, it is like a sacrifice going up into heaven, and it's very pleasing to God. There's no age limitation in these verses. I can read my Bible and find out that Abraham picked a way for Isaac when Isaac was 40 years old. I can read my Bible and find out that the children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren that were well-grown of Jonadab the Rechabite were still obeying him 150 years after he had died. That's Jeremiah 35. There's no age limit here. If a father wants to tell his married son that he's doing something wrong and he wants him to change... That married son should be just as happy as a young child at home to obey his father. Fathers of married sons know that they don't invoke that privilege unless it's a matter of importance. And married sons should remember that. There's no age limit here. God put parents in an office over children and they should be obeyed. We live in a generation where parents are no longer honored and they're seldom obeyed. But that can influence us. We need to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. And that's not all doctrine or theory or theology. It's the practice in our homes. Children, obey your parents. The God of heaven wants your attention. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It doesn't say, children, connect to your parents. Children, be cool with your parents. It doesn't say, when God takes two sentences to speak to children, He doesn't say, children, have a good time in life. Children, make sure you pick a good career. Children, make sure you get a good education. It says, children, obey your parents. This is right and it's well-pleasing unto the Lord. Let's believe that. Let's trust it fully. Let's preach it. Let's practice it in our homes. The first authority relationship you meet in life is that you come into this world weighing about seven pounds, and there's a 200-pound guy and a 125-pound woman that meets you as two giants in your life, and they tell you to do this and don't do that. They tell you, eat the food that's on your plate, because they worked hard to get that food to put in your plate to keep you alive and to help you grow. They tell you, don't lick your two fingers and stick them in those two little holes on the wall. I don't want you to light up my life that way. They tell you do's and don'ts. Obey them. You don't know anything when you got here. They have to wrap you in cotton to keep you from dirtying yourself. They tell you that's hot. 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 And little children learn that they shouldn't touch something that's hot. Obey your parents. You get a little older and they say, don't ride your bike in the street. But we have a gravel driveway and it's so smooth out there. I remember. I remember well. I remember too well. Dad's away. This gravel driveway is too bumpy. Look at that smooth highway. He's not here. No one will ever know. I'm going to see how fast I can get this little red bike to go. What do you think happened? Do you think Dad was really far away? He was about as good as Elisha with Gehazi. As soon as I pulled out that highway and got that thing cranking, there's Dad coming home. Be sure your sin will find you out, every one of you. Do as I say through the whole sermon, not as I just described. I got caught. I didn't have a bike for a good while. And I'm thankful for my father. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. God could have brought us here in a way that we would have been a pod on a tree. And after hanging on that tree for a while, you could have got a little uncomfortable in there and pushed out your arms like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. And you could have come into the world that way. But God brought you into this world as children of parents. And there's a whole, there's infinite wisdom in that. You know, it would take a whole sermon to talk about how God is able to use that through the whole Bible as His relationship to us. You could have hung off a tree. You could have dropped to the ground and crawled around and figured things out on your own. Unless I was a bigger one that fell before you and I ate you for lunch. God did it His way. And the way God did it is two people come together and they have children And when those children are born, and as soon as they have any sense about them, which takes a few years, not too long, there's some things you can teach them in months, they're to obey their parents. And they're to honor that office. They're to honor the office of parent as much as we're to honor a king, if we had a king, or as much as we honor our own president. This is the word of the Lord for us. It's not common or popular anymore to preach it this way. It's not enforced anymore. But it's enforced here. We have excluded children from our church for disobedience to parents. And we will continue to do that because it's the Word of the Lord. We don't care that other churches don't preach it much anymore or enforce it. We can look in our Bibles in Second Timothy chapter 3 where it describes the perilous times of the last days And when we look at those perils, it's not anything done by our government to us. It never has been. Those aren't perils to Christians. The peril to a Christian are Christians that are disobedient to parents. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to fight that peril. And we're not going to allow that in our families. When it says here, children, obey your parents, what does obey mean? It means to do what they tell you even when you don't want to do it. It means to do what they tell you when you don't like what they're telling you. It means to do what they tell you even though it may not be the smartest thing for you. If they said it, it's the smartest thing. I may not be able to condemn some things from the Bible for my family. But if I condemn it, then from the Bible, they have to obey me. My sons would say to me, Or I would say to them, I can't condemn a cigarette from the Bible. So I'm going to condemn it this way. I said no, therefore it's wrong. And that's just as strong if I had found a hundred verses. And that's not being arrogant or overbearing. That's exercising my office and every one of my sons. And I have to preach to five of them. Someday when you have your children and you're 30 years of age, and I've got one now, my son-in-law, when you're 30 years of age or older and you have children of your own, you can come and talk to me about being a parent. And wait till his are a little older. He'll even be wiser than he is right now. And I don't mean any disrespect to him at all. It's hard being a father. But children, obey your parents. When they tell you to do something, then do it. And do it with zeal. Because they wouldn't have told you to do something unless it was good for you, unless it was glorifying to God, unless it would keep you out of trouble. When they tell you don't do something, guess what? They've probably already been there and were hurt by that. Or they've met other people that were hurt by that and they're trying to save you from that pain. Children, obey your parents. When they tell you to do something, just go do it. Why stop and think about it? Why argue about it even inside? Just go do it. Go do it cheerfully. A sacrifice goes up to heaven, and God's pleased with what you choose to do. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That little prepositional phrase, in the Lord, is not modifying parents. That little prepositional phrase is modifying the verb obey. Children, obey in the Lord your parents. Because it is in the Lord, and part of being a Christian, that is obeying children. You're to do it as unto the Lord. That's what it means, because you go read Colossians and it tells you what it means. As unto the Lord, and it's well-pleasing in His sight. And in how many things? All things. What if your father says you have too much makeup on? Let me tell you something. On a scale of one to a hundred, in the knowledge of how much makeup you should have on your face, you have less than one percent of the knowledge. Your father is somewhere far to the right of you on that scale. He has observed women... And thought about the makeup on their face longer than you've been alive, a whole lot longer. He has a conscience. you don't, in comparison to your father, in most cases. He wants to follow the Bible. You're a young girl just experimenting with makeup. You think that it helps you look more attractive. He wants you to be modest. He wants you to be shame-faced. When your father says you have too much makeup on, why don't you make his day and make the Lord's day by cheerfully obeying and saying, "I trust my dad. He knows more about what a, what makes a girl attractive than I do." You little girls are just trying to figure it out. You're just experimenting. You don't even know how a man thinks. You never will. Even when you won't trust your father, he wants you to look attractive. How many dads do you think are in here want to bring their daughters in here looking like dogs? Are you nuts? We're proud of our daughters. We're thankful to God for them. Understand my use of the word proud. We're thankful for them. They give us joy. We want them to look their best. That's just one example. You know I could uh, multiply that a couple hundred times, but please, children, obey your parents. Make it easy for your father. I want to remind you this. What goes around comes around is the way they say it in the South. The Bible says, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you want to roll your eyes and stomp your feet and toss your head and not want to do what your father tells you to do, I can't wait till you're a parent and the children that you bring into this world defy you and make your life a living hell. Make it easy for your father. God will be honored. Look at what it says next. It says it's right in verse 1. Children and parents aren't partners. They're not partners at all. You couldn't contribute to the partnership. You have no money. You have no intelligence. You have no wisdom. You have no experience. And I'm not putting you down. Listen, your mind is about this big around. It's just very small. Your time perspective, you can't get beyond five minutes. None of you in here can think beyond five minutes in front of you. It's right for you to trust your parents. Now, as you get older, you start to lengthen that time horizon. You realize... Wow, the things I'm doing today are going to cost me out there. But a child doesn't do that. They need a parent to do that for them. Your dad's always thinking ahead. This is right. No matter what the world says, we're not partners. This is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. This is the way to do things. This is the right way. This is righteousness. This is the only way it works. The world's trying it a different way right now. And it doesn't work. But look at what it says next. Children. It's still talking to children. Honor thy father and mother. Now that's another verb. You know what obey means. When they tell you to do something, you do it cheerfully, and you do it right now. When they tell you not to do something, you stay far away from it, and you don't even think about doing it. You don't sneak around trying to do it. You obey. Honor means you treat your parents with respect, with esteem, as being important. You reverence them. It's a different verb. It's bigger. It's broader. It covers a whole lot more than just obeying them. You always treat them respectfully. When they ask you, what are you thinking? You answer them! I wish that children that don't answer their parents could stand before King Ahasuerus and you would have three seconds to answer him and they would slice your head off and bleed you right there on the floor. And if you think I'm too hard... You wait till you're a parent. You have that little person that will not answer you when a parent asks to inquire about what you're thinking. You little selfish, arrogant brats. I have to deal with your parents and I grieve for them and I've had to deal with it myself. Who do you think you are not answering my question? I am God to you. Your parent, your father and your mother is a God to you. When they ask you what you're thinking, you answer them. Wait till you're a parent and you have to face that. Honor your father and your mother. Do you think you could stand before King David and just stand there? Fine. I don't know. They just slice your head off. Do you think you can join the U.S. military and stand before some sergeant that wants to know what you did and why you did it and just stand there and say, I don't know? you'll be digging six-by-six and six-foot-deep holes and filling them back in until your arms fall off your body. Honor thy father and mother. Do you know it's so simple? Do you know if we were to obey the four rules that we're going to get here for relationships, we can realize utopia on earth? Karl Marx can write about utopia. Karl Marx was insane. Karl Marx was insane and every man that worked with him, Engels, Lenin, and the rest, were insane. It never brought anything. Look at the nations where communism and socialism have been practiced. They're all ignorant and dirt poor. Honor your father and your mother. You know, it's a southern rule in this country to say yes, sir, and no, sir. It's a good practice. It's a good habit. That sir, yes, ma'am, shows some esteem and respect and honor for the office of mother and father. Honor your father and mother. It's bigger than obey. Obey is nothing. It's Obey is something. But it is nothing in comparison to the big umbrella of honoring your parents. That's at all times. You're cheerful. When you come to the table and you sit with your parents at the breakfast table and you think you're a night person, you don't know if you're a night person or not. Because you're not even sure, if, and we're not sure, if you're a person yet, let alone a night person. Adults can figure out if they're a morning person or a night person. Kids don't even know that yet. But when you come to the table and you sit there and you scowl, you hurt your parents and you hurt the God of heaven. Come with a smile to the table. How long do you think Ahasuerus would have allowed you to sit at his table with a scowl on your face or in a a bad mood? How long? Why was Nehemiah so scared when he came before the king Ahasuerus and he was the king's cupbearer and he brought the king's glass of wine in and he was sad because jerusalem was in heaps and it needed to be rebuilt why was he scared because he said he had never been unhappy before in the presence of the king because when somebody came in and wasn't smiling they just took them out of their misery and put him out in the cemetery you say that's not fair that's not very nice what if he'd had a bad day you don't have a right to have a bad day in front of your parents You didn't have a right to have a bad day in front of the king because you're serving the king. You ought to be thrilled with the opportunity to serve the king and to sit at a table where your father has paid for the chair, he's paid for the clothes that you have on your body that's sitting on the chair, he's paid for the table that's holding the plate that he paid for, which is holding the food that he paid for, which your mother prepared for you, you should be smiling that you have two parents that bought you food, table, chair, and clothes, and the braces on your little teeth that are going to get full of the food that your mother put on the plate. You should be so thankful and say, thank you, Mom and Dad, for this table. Then call 911. Cause your mother and dad's gonna need it. They're gonna fall backward in their chairs. And if they're heavy, they're gonna break their necks like Eli did. Cause they've never seen anything like that before. Honor your father and your mother. Talk to them. That's how you honor them. Going and hiding in your room is not honoring your parents. It's despising them. They're not worthy of talking to. I am not extreme on this subject. No. Amen. If the Lord Jesus Christ were here, he would start quoting the Old Testament because that's what he did Amen. when he preached in Matthew chapter 15 about honoring your parents. And I want to tell you what subject he would bring up for your comfort children. He wouldn't use a as an example. No, nope. I'm too easy. And when you meet the Lord, you're all going to know that I'm too easy, though I try. You know what he would bring up? He'd say, when I wrote the laws of a land all your mom and dad had to do, they didn't take you to a psychiatrist they didn't take you to a doctor to get you some Ritlin. They took you to the elders of the city and just stoned you to death. Now somebody says, well, that's only in the Bible one time. No, it's not. It's in the Bible this many times. Now can you count that, children? I'm not sure. Can you count that? It's in the Bible ten times. Disrespect to parents. Even this. Death. Death. If you did it to Ahasuerus, death. If you did it to the military, death. You know, our military is very effeminate. It's not even close to a military that the world has seen for 6,000 years. You would never have tossed your head at a senior officer in any military in the world you know PTA has too much authority in our country now so you can get away with it the Bible says death the Bible says death setting light about your parents the Bible says death for those that curse their parents the Bible says death for anybody that hits their parents the Bible says that parents have a right if they have a rebellious son that's no longer listening to their rules they can take him out to the elders of the city and have him stoned to death I think that would be very effective it should be on pay-per-view TV and the money goes to the parents for having waited so long before they stoned him to death. I'd buy buy it. I'd bring all my sons home, sit them around the big screen TV and pay and watch some, some teenager get stoned to death. Let me tell you something about my life. I would either have been stoned to death and never seen 20, or I would have been a much better son and given my parents a much better life. And I hope I was smart enough that if I had seen somebody stoned to death, I'd have chosen B and pass that test. The Lord is kind. He would tell you about capital punishment. Because that's what He does in Matthew chapter 15 and in Mark and Luke's account of the same thing. But then do you know what the Lord does? He says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. He just doesn't want you to do it because He's threatening you. He says, I will give you a good life and I will give you a long life. What more do you want? What is, is, help me. Is there anything more than a good life and a long life? Is that about it? Is that a quick way of summing up everything you want? A good life and a long life? Honor your parents. You say, well, I, how do you know that the promise is going to come true for me? Because God said so. It's in the Bible. I believe that with all my heart. When I disobeyed my parents, my life was miserable. I was the unhappiest person on planet Earth. When I wanted to go and do it my way, and I went a long way away to try to do it my way, I was the unhappiest person of the 4.7 billion that lived on planet Earth at that time. Because my life wasn't going well with me and it wouldn't have lasted very long if I'd have continued in that course. Children, obey your parents and honor them. I love every one of you, and every one of you children know that. I would do anything for any one of you, but I'll tell you, when it comes to preaching God's Word, I'm not gonna, I am not going to candy-coat it one little bit. I'm going to tell you the truth because I, I owe my allegiance to God of heaven. You wouldn't even be here if the God of Heaven hadn't brought you into existence and given you a soul, and He's telling you how to have a good life and a long life. Believe it. It's not your vitamins that are going to give you a good life and a long life. It's obeying your parents and honoring them. Love them. Write them a note. Tell them thank you for all that they've done for you. They do stuff for you every single day that you're not even smart enough to figure out yet. And I'm not putting you down. Someday you'll grow up. When do you grow up in God's opinion? And you can learn to think for yourself a little tiny bit when you're 30. 18 year olds need diapers of their own variety. 18 year olds are nothing, they haven't figured anything out. You say, but an 18 year old can go to war, yet yeah, he's the only one dumb enough to go. A 30 year old would never go to war. A 30-year-old would stay home with his family and his wife and that nice, warm, cozy bed and three nice meals a day instead of having to tear open cans of stuff that was left over from the previous war. An 18-year-old joins the army. Do you know why he joins the army? Because he's too dumb to get a real job. He has to go to a daycare where he's, where he's told where to go to eat, he's told how much he can eat, and he doesn't get what he would like to eat. He's told when to get up and when to go to bed. He's told what shoes to wear and how he better shine them. He's given a little ugly cot to sleep on and a little gray blanket to, a little gray or green blanket to go over it. <clears throat> He's given a haircut that he had never thought of in his life. Looked good. And on and on it goes. He's in a daycare. 18 year olds. We're talking about adulthood. When you get there, you can have children of your own. And by, we hope by that time, with the word of God, you're going to be able to be good parents to them and they'll love and obey and honor you. Do any of you, when your parents, do you want your children to come and thank you for what you've done for them? Give it to your parents now. That's how you honor them. How about a little note when they're going to bed that they can read together before they drift off to sleep that you're thankful for all the things that they've done for you? Instead of laying in that bed wondering what in the world you're thinking and why you're doing the things that you're doing, and if you love the Lord or not, honoring your parents extends to when they're old. When your parents are very old and they can no longer provide for themselves, it's your job to provide for them. The Bible says that even the pagans understand that. That if any man provide not for his own, especially those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Even the infidels, especially the oriental infidels, they respect their ancestors so much they worship them. As gods, it's a pagan, infidel religion. It's heresy. But they worship their ancestors, and they take care of them. All of your parents are someday going to be in the condition you were when you arrived. I'm going to go out of this world unable to feed myself. Is there going to be someone that's going to feed me? I'm going to go out of this world unable to control my bowels. Is there somebody that's going to put a diaper on me? I don't like getting weak. And it will be a long time before I ever ask for either of those. I'll have my, plate my, I'll have my face in my plate and I'll lick it off it before I ask for it. But we all better be ready to help our parents. Because that's what the Bible teaches. We are all going that direction. You think that you're going to live forever because you're stupid. We know we're not going to live forever because we got smart enough to know that we're going to die. And I love you when I say that you're stupid. Because foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. It's bound there. You know what kind of word the Bible uses about honoring your parents? It uses the word fear. The same word that's used in thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. It says you shall fear your parents. The Bible says you ought to rise up before a hoary head. That means anybody that's got white hair, that's old enough to have white hair, you should stand up and honor them. How much more so when that white hair is on your parents' head? No parent is perfect. It doesn't have a thing to do with your obedience. Did you know it didn't say children obey your parents when they make a perfect decision for your future that you agree with? There's, right. no, there's no perfect parent. That's right. They all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. And we make lots of mistakes. Amen. But we're always looking out for your best interests and our mistakes are very small. The Bible says that for a people that are prepared for the Lord, dads and kids get along great. Do you know what John the Baptist's ministry was for? To prepare a people prepared for the Lord. And how was he to do that? He was to get the hearts of the fathers and the hearts of the children back together again. This is the word of the Lord. You would think that John the Baptist would have burst on the scene and started preaching about the Great Commission, if you listen to most churches but he came on the scene and called children to honor their parents and parents to love their children and to get families back together. And I am not preaching like I'm at the PTA. I'm telling you the Word of God, and I'm telling you how they get it back together. Let's come to the next verse. You young people, if you can hold out and not hate me until the fifth Wednesday of this month, I'll have you in my home or I'll take you someplace and you can ask me anything about what I've said. I will tell you about my life. I care about every one of you, but I'm never going to preach to you like other men preach. I want to preach what the Bible says. And I have not said it in all of its terribleness. To do that, I would have to stone one of you to death this morning as an illustration. Because that's what Israel got to see on a regular basis. I would do anything for any one of you. And those of you that have ever tried me, you know it to be true. But I'm going to do more for the Lord. I want all of you to grow up to be great. I want all you girls to be great women in the earth. I want all of you young men to grow up and be greater than me. In a hundred ways. Don't you dare listen to popular music. The music of this world is music based in rebellion. It will fill your soul with rebellion. I snuck around to my parents and listened to rock and roll music and it ate my soul alive. It brought the devil into my heart. Don't you listen to that stuff. It is based in rebellion. It is not based in trying to honor and glorify the God of heaven. It's in rebellion. It will fill your soul with rebellion. Music is the language of the soul. The language of your soul ought to be, God, I fear and I love you and I want to obey you and I thank you for Jesus Christ my Savior. Any music beyond that is a wasted music. You listen to this world's music, you turn that radio on on your way to to work. I don't care, there's no station that is acceptable. Listen to hymns. Listen to the praise of God. Listen to Psalms. Because music is the language of the soul and it'll make you unhappy. It'll make you miserable. You will not get happy. Listening to rock and roll music, it'll make you rebellious. It ate me alive. Anyone here who knows the musical English group, The Who, can you imagine that your pastor, who loves the Word of God, loved The Who more than any other group? There's no more group that's ever been more rebellious than The Who. Don't cheat around on your parents. Yes, I'm changing my, pro, my plan for the morning. Don't think that I'm going to take an hour on each point. Don't listen to that music. That's right. Right. Verse 4. And ye fathers, now dads get called. Amen. And I get called. Ye fathers. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's turn over and see the version in Colossians, just to have it before our minds. Colossians chapter 3. Children are addressed in one verse, in verse 20. Fathers are addressed in one verse, in verse 21. Fathers... Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Every dad here, every grandfather, I did not do it for you, I did it for the Lord's sake. I just did some of your dirty work. Now you listen, and listen with me, because I have to listen as well what it says about fathers. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Don't provoke them to anger, lest they be discouraged. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We have something as fathers we're not supposed to do, and we have something as fathers we are supposed to do. I want you women, you mothers, to recognize that it says fathers. It doesn't say mothers. It doesn't say fathers and mothers. It doesn't say parents. And the Bible knows all those words. It says fathers. With one word, we will again have to be different from the rest of the world who thinks that mommy is the one that takes them to Sunday school. It's mommy that reads the Bible to them. But that never happened in the Bible except where there wasn't a daddy. Where there was a daddy, daddy did it. Where there was a father, the father trained the children to fear the Lord. When you read about a, a Samuel, you know, he was only five. He was only five when he went to the temple. But his father gave the permission for him to go to the temple. When you read about a Timothy, he didn't have a converted father. So it was his mother and his grandmother. Those are exceptions to the rules. When a mother trains a son, when there's a father that should be doing it, that son will be twisted in doctrine and personality in facing life. That is not God's order for it. It's the father that should do it. That makes the religion a manly religion. And the, the religion of Christianity is a manly religion. Abraham and Joshua were men. David was a man. David said, come here, my children, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. He didn't say, kids, I want you to go to Sunday school with your mother. He said, come here, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. When I read Psalm 78, and it says that fathers should teach their children, who teach the children yet to come, who will in turn teach the generation that is not yet here, That's four generations. Psalm 78, one through eight. Joel 1, one through three. Both places say that fathers are responsible for four generations. They do the teaching, not the mother. So women, you can just sit beside your man right now and take his arm and turn him into a man by following him and submitting to him and trusting him. And you all better listen to me. I just tried to help you with your children. And I will continue to help you with your children. But now it's our turn. And what did it say? Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Remember, the people prepared for the Lord, it's dads that are back with their sons. It's dads that are back with their daughters. You say, where is that in the Bible? Malachi 4, 5, and 6 and Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 is the fulfillment of Malachi 4, 5, and 6, where it's John the Baptist that had that ministry. It is easy for fathers to be bullies, to be oppressors, to be irritators, To be stumbling blocks. Since children were commanded to obey their parents and to honor them, as verses 1 through 3 say, some men will take that and be overbearing with their children and discourage them. There's two things we're going to learn as fathers right now before we break. What we're not to do and what we are to do. The first thing, what we're not to do. We are not to provoke them to anger lest they be discouraged. Now let me make that clear. That does not mean that when a child gets angry, that you've done something wrong. If you are disciplining your child and they get angry, then discipline them some more. You know, some people have said you beat them till they cry softly. I don't know what that means. I beat them till they don't cry at all. You say, that sounds terrible. I know it does. I hope you're not secretly recording this. I don't care if you were. I don't fear anybody. Let him go ahead and cut my head off with a guillotine for preaching the truth about the way you're supposed to treat your parents. But, if a father's overbearing, too critical, too negative, too moody, too hypocritical, too harsh, too insensitive, too unkind, then he has sinned against this verse because God wants fathers to be tender-hearted, to be pitiful, To show mercy, to show kindness, to be loving to their children, because that's a commandment of the Christian religion. We are not tyrants in the home, we are lovers of our children, because the Lord is a lover of us, and He is called our Heavenly Father, and He loves us. And He says about Himself in Psalm 103, He says, As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. The Lord pities children, and so should we pity children. They're not your level. They shouldn't be able to keep up with what you expect them to do. They're unable to do that. Quit expecting it of them. Let them make some mistakes. Don't play and pick on every single thing they do. Give them a little bit of independence. You have your aces to play. You can play it whenever you want to. But if you play it every time, you're going to just drive your children away. And I don't blame them. They'll still be wrong. And we will still exclude them. But you're gonna answer to God for it, and if I ever figure it out that you're the cause of it, you're gonna be excluded faster than the child because you should know better. And I'm not the tyrant or the bully here. This isn't my church, it's the Lord's church. And he's already said how it ought to be done. Anger is not an effective parenting tool. Anger does not make a man measure a man or mark a man. Fools get angry. Fools the measure and mark of a fool anger's the measure and mark of a fool. Not anger. Anger's not how you get obedient children. Anger's how you get bitter children. And then you can lose your children someday. And if you say, well, mine are still at home and I'm an angry father. (laughs) Their bodies are at home while they're still taking advantage and living off your pocketbook. Their hearts are long gone. They left a long time ago and they can't wait to take their bodies and catch up with their souls and live somewhere else where someone will show them a little bit of kindness. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. It doesn't mean that we can't discipline them and they get angry. Just discipline them until you get them over the anger. It means not to be overbearing, critical, negative, moody, hypocritical, lazy, and provoke them to wrath. Be loving, tender, gentle-hearted like the Lord is with us. Children can be angered and discouraged. Most of you men have never sat with a man a grown man, and I had him cry as he said, I've never been able to do anything that pleased my father. My father has never hugged me, my father has never said that he loved me. You don't deserve to have me preach to your children, the first three verses. You don't deserve to have a father in heaven, and you may not have one. When was the last time your child heard that you loved them? When did you hug them? When did you tell them that something they did was good? Provoke not your children to wrath. Fathers should be the glory of their children. Proverbs 17:6. The glory of children of their fathers but you've got to earn that. That Bible isn't speaking about a rule from heaven. That Bible is speaking about a good father. A good father. Do you know what a child wants? He wants that good father to smile and say, you did good. I love you. I'm glad you're my son. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Fathers, if you've got an overbearing wife in loving kindness, tell her to shut up. You know more about child training than she does. I don't care if she memorized Benjamin Spock's book. That shows that she doesn't know anything about child training that she would even read it. Do not let your wife do the harm that some fathers do. Fathers? If you're a hypocrite, you provoke your children to anger. If you treat their mother poorly, you provoke your children to anger. If you neglect your children, you provoke them to anger. If you're inconsistent, you provoke them to anger. If you're overbearing, you provoke them to anger. If you don't show them any affection or praise, you provoke them to anger. If you're selfish... You provoke them to anger. If you criticize everything you do, everything they do, you provoke them to anger. I just told your children to talk to you. Do you know how to sit down and let your children talk to you? It means that you've got to do what I just told you that you could tell your wife to do. Shut up. Shut up. When your child's talking to you, your thoughts are irrelevant and stupid let them talk. You know why they don't talk? I'm going to tell you a little secret. Because they know that as soon as they say something that you may not understand, you're going to jump all over them. I know, just the way you jumped is the way everyone jumps. And the child learns, I'm never going to, he's never going to know a thing about me. Yes sir, no sir. Yes sir, no sir. I love you. I love the Lord. Yes sir, no sir. I love you. I love the Lord. Yes sir, no sir. You don't have any children. Eat your heart out. You don't have any children because you can't shut your big mouth. I'm talking to dads. You say you should do this in a men's meeting. No, I want the kids to know that I preach the whole counsel of God. And I'll do it in the men's meeting too. And I have to preach to seven children. I can say wherever I haven't been perfect by these measures. I'm sorry. can't go back. The Lord lets me start over. All you dads, don't provoke your children to wrath. Why can't he let me say anything before he jumps in and wants to finish my sentence for me? Why can't he let me explain why I want to do that? I didn't want to do it to go find Tommy Motorcycle and get high. Why did he say that? I wasn't thinking that at all. I was thinking I actually want to meet with that girl after school so that we could pray together because she asked me between classes if we could pray together after school. But dad just jumped in and finished my sentence for me and said, I must be meeting Tommy Motorcycle so that we can go get high. You've sinned worse than your child can ever sin. They don't know any better. You should. Dads, don't provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Here's what you're supposed to do for them. Give them an education in the wisdom and knowledge of God. Teach them how God wants them to think. Teach them the glories of the Bible, the power of God, His judgments, His goodness, His kindness to Israel. Teach them all those things so that they can set their hope and faith and trust in God, that there's a being in heaven that is glorious. And you know one way you can show them that is to be a little God in their life, a little God that when they run to Him, Even when they've done something wrong and they say they're sorry, He doesn't take a pound of flesh. He forgives them. Because you know what? When I run to my father, he doesn't always take a pound of flesh. In fact, I can't remember the last time he did. He always forgives me. And that's what we ought to do. And We can present to them God by the way we treat them. Thoughtful about their future. Loving them in the present. Forgiving them for the past. Embracing them with our sunshine every day making them comfortable and secure and being able to talk to us and come to us. My Father does that to me in heaven. Does He do that to you? Can you do that to yours every day and be that consistent thing in their life that teaches them the Bible, shows them the Bible, forgives their follies, does chasten them, but explains His chastening, never lashes out in rage. The Father that yells at His children has no authority, has no control over himself, over them. You never have to yell at your children. When the exception comes up, come and tell me about it. You don't have to yell at your children. You don't have to call them names. That doesn't get the message across. Just take them to God's Word and tell them that you love them, that that behavior is wrong in the sight of God, and it's wrong in my sight as well. We cannot do that. I cannot allow that. I'm going to have to chasten you for that. You do not accomplish a thing demeaning your children by calling them names. Unless it's a loving name like pup. I went to your little brother in bed this morning. I said, I love you, pup. But my boys know what I mean by that. I just want to be the big dog. But I want to be a loving big dog. I don't want to bite. And I've told you what kind of a dog I am. I'm a pit bull on crack. So it's hard to be a loving dog. But I hope that we can do that. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. David said, come here, my children. Let me teach you the fear of the Lord. And he taught his children about God and all the things that God had done with Israel. I hope that my children remember Bible stories from the Bible. I hope that they remember about the Red Sea. I hope they remember about David and Goliath. I hope they remember other events of the Bible that calls them to remember there's a great God in heaven He's worth serving. I hope they've heard me declare that God has never failed me and He's done wonderful things for my soul. He's forgiven me the greatest sins. He's shown me the greatest truth. And I love Him for all those things. And so they want to know the God of their father. You know, David laid in his deathbed and he called Solomon near. And the man who couldn't get any body heat Hold Solomon down to him and said, Solomon, my son, know the God of thy father. And I hope that Solomon knew all the stories of David's life. And there were terrible sins in David's life, but I'll tell you there was greater forgiveness than the terribleness of David's sins. And did Solomon know the God of his father? Solomon took all that wealth that David had accumulated and built the grandest temple that God had ever had on earth. And he got out in front of all those people and got down on his knees and lifted his hands to heaven and he prayed like only a man taught by his father could pray as he blessed that temple in the name of the Lord. Did Solomon end up sinning? Yes, but that's not my point right now. My point was he heard his father and he loved his father's God so that Hiram, king of Tyre, a wealthy neighboring nation, could send a message and say... God has blessed Israel. They put a king in the place of David like his father, and that was Solomon. And King Hiram, who held in his fingertips the treasury of the, Le- of the cedars of Lebanon and all the skilled craftsmen in the world that could build that temple, said, ask what you will. I love your father David, and I can see that God has had mercy in giving a son that would please him and God. Ask what you will. I'll fund it. I'll send it, I'll float it, and I'll carry it across land and get it into Jerusalem. A father and a son working together, is there a greater thing on earth? The Bible says a father that has his quiver full of them is a blessed man. He can stand and they can stand with the enemies in the gate and defend their father and defend the truth of their father and love the God of their father. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Don't let your wives do the teaching in the home. You be the teacher. Teach your sons and your daughters that it's a manly religion. Teach them the truth of the Bible. There are so many stories in here that are exciting. Listen, weren't Elijah and Elisha enough to get you excited? Do you know how, were there 40 questions? That means there were 40 Bible stories that you could sit down with and go for 40 days with your children. That's a nice number. Go with 40 days with your children with just Elisha and Elijah. Does the little story of an axe head floating in the water and swimming up to the top, does that mean anything to you? Do you know what I'm hoping for and praying for? That a bank deposit will float up to the surface and swim as well in a Diebold night depository. All those Bible stories are valuable. Children, obey your parents and honor them. Father's... Don't provoke your children to wrath, but love them. Be tender-hearted, merciful, and pitiful toward them like the Lord is to us. And bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And when they need a spanking or a beating or a whipping or chastening, in order to follow the way of the Lord more perfectly, then give it to them. But give it to them tenderly, gently, the way that the Lord gives it to you. And explain to them exactly what you're doing. And let them know before and after that you love them. And the only reason you're doing it is because God has told you to do it, and it proves your love of them. Do not ignore your children. Invest in them. You do not have a right to go home and have your own little life. None of us have a right to our own little life. That's just a selfish, spoiled brat. We have a family, and God's given them to us, and it's our job to take care of them, and I will help you in any way that I can. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.